May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The joke, such as it is each year, as Trinity Sunday approaches, marking the moment where the church calendar turns from the events of Easter, Ascension and Pentecost into what we call ordinary time, is that the day, this is the day, that the vicar chooses either the curate or a member of the retired clergy to preach instead of themselves. After all, nobody wants to have to to try to explain the Trinity. We all laugh and pat ourselves on the back for having dodged it again, if indeed we have, which is stupid really when you think about it, because actually every sermon is about the Trinity. That is the very nature of the Trinity. If you think you are focusing on Jesus the Son and what he has to say, don't forget he is working with the creator and the sustainer at the same time. If the passage you are preaching on seems to be saying something about God the creator, don't forget the redeemer and the sustainer are also at work. And if your words seem to be about the spirit, the sustainer at work in the world, don't forget that this work is through the creator and redeemer. We possibly make the mistake of trying to unpick the Trinity so we can look more closely at each aspect of it. And I suppose there's no harm in this. Actually, there's a lot of good. We need to look at Jesus and his ministry very closely to inform our own lives as long as we don't forget the package he comes in. So when I looked at the readings for this particular sermon, I really shouldn't have been surprised to see that this was effectively Trinity Sunday too. I myself, I realised, had forgotten that every aspect of scripture is revealing the Trinity at all times, not just one aspect of its work. We've just been through Epiphany and we talk about Epiphany as being that season of revelation where things are revealed. But actually, the whole of our lives is a season of revelation that God is at work within. God the creator, the redeemer and the sustainer. And these readings today absolutely cement this idea at a time, as Heather said at the beginning of the service, where we move from Advent, Christmas and Epiphany to a brief moment of ordinary time before then turning into Lent and heading for Easter. They are underlining that thought. A reminder in capital letters that God is neither creator, redeemer and sustainer but all in all, the fullness of God as Trinity being found in the other, for one cannot exist without the other, has not existed without the other, will not exist without the other, exists in you and in me as Trinity, not as one facet, exists in the world as Trinity, not as one facet, does not exist in any time, space or event without the other. And perhaps most remarkably, 
calls us into their existence too. So we can know the fullness of God in ourselves and in those around us. Every reading speaks of a time before the creation of the world where creator, redeemer and sustainer were at work together. In Proverbs, we read, ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. I was beside him like a master worker. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, we read, for in him all things in heaven and earth were created. All things have been created through him and for him. And in the prologue to John's gospel that we usually hear at Christmas, we hear those hugely powerful words declaring, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. Every reading speaks of wisdom, of rejoicing, of delight, of choice, of glory, of grace, and of truth. I don't know about you, and maybe after this service you might want to go back and find those readings. You can uh, find which ones were used by uh, either re-listening or going to our uh, website. Perhaps go back and take some time to read those readings, because as I read them this week, there was a palpable, tangible sense of truly knowing something important about God. And yet, I still can't quite articulate it. I can't put it into words for you. It was just a, a great sense of the fullness of God, I suppose, coming out of that scripture and dwelling in me. It's been living with me throughout this week and probably got even stronger as the week has gone on. And it's been a very great sense of hope in the midst of the days that we are living through. But I can't explain it. And I can't write it in black and white in my sermon notes. Essentially, in the end, I have to come to the decision to stand in the mystery of creator, redeemer, and sustainer. And I have to accept that I will not know the answers to my questions until the kingdom comes. It is a mystery I am content then to declare when I affirm my faith in the words of the creed each week. We stand and we join with Christians across the world in declaring our faith. And yet, each week when we declare the words of the creed, I get the sense that we are just working through some words. It's just another part of the service to get through. Words that are possibly so familiar to us, we forget to notice them. I know when I first arrived here in 2014, the creed was not part of the main Sunday worship. And when I asked a few people why, I was told, well, if we don't say the creed, it saves two minutes on the service. We can get home for lunch quicker. 
And it wasn't just one person who told me that either. It seems very regulatory to turn around and say, well, canon law in the Church of England instructs that a form of creed to be part of the main service on a Sunday. So that's why we do it. Actually, that's not why we do it at all. And we certainly don't chop it out of our services so we can get home more quickly. The words in the creed echo the words in these readings and remind us of the enormous mystery we choose to be in relationship with. These words need our wholehearted attention because they set out for us the mystery of the Trinity within which we exist and have our being. I want to come back to that word choice, though, as well, and to the part in that um, John's Gospel that we just heard. I'll reread it for you. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. That's you and me. All who receive him and believe in his name gave power to become children of God. It doesn't say to all of those who understood it completely and were able to articulate everything about God. It says those who choose to receive him and believe in him. So when we come to stand and affirm our faith in the words of the creed, that is what we are choosing to do. You are choosing to stand, or if you can't stand, still sit. You are choosing to stand to declare your faith in the God who is creator, redeemer, and sustainer, however mysterious that is. And greater minds than ours have put these creeds together, have decided what needed to be taken from the scriptures to give us a statement of faith. But it does mean that we are also choosing to stand in that mystery, not knowing and yet trusting. The first part of the creed goes like this. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And the bit from the letter to Colossians, all things in heaven on earth and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. And then we go on. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Paul writes, For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, 
and through whom God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And John writes, What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Paul and John and the writer of Proverbs choose to see in Christ and in God something new, something mysterious that is then caught up in these words from the creed that we speak in conjunction with them. And the last part of the creed, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Does not wisdom call? And does not understanding raise her voice? Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Then I was beside him like a master worker. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Delighting in the human race. As we delight in God, he delights in us. But we are only able to delight in God because he first delighted in us. So exactly what's my point this morning, except for stating the obvious that the Trinity worked together on all things, before all time and to the ends of all time. I think it is this, that we need to truly open our eyes and notice, notice more fully. At a time in our lives where the future is very uncertain and the recent past has been lost, I think we are being asked to remember and to notice afresh that God is in the past, the present and the future. This God who delights in us so much that he came to dwell with us and we are told rejoices over the inhabited world is amongst us and within us at all times, in the past, the present, and the future. As the Trinity smiles at and delights in us, so we are asked to smile back and delight in the mystery we get caught up in each minute, hour, day, week, month, year, whether we know it or not. And for us to especially notice the words we say in declaring our faith and to one another. The world can look like a place of darkness, especially at the moment, and I'm not denying it is for many, many people. 
But these readings give us hope beyond all we know. That God, creator, redeemer and sustainer are constantly at work. And because of this, each one of us is reconciled to their creation. We are part of their dance and their delight. And our place in the dance has been assured through the cross and the empty tomb. I wonder then, what is it that God, creator, redeemer and sustainer, wants you to notice today? What steps are you being asked to dance with the Trinity? I'm going to finish with a poem. It's a poem that we'll put on the front of our newsletter this week, so you may already have read it, but it's worth a repeat. It's called Walk, Don't Run by Rob Bell. Walk, don't run. That's it. Walk, don't run. Slow down, breathe deeply, and open your eyes because there's a whole world right here within this one. The bush doesn't suddenly catch on fire. It's been burning the whole time. Moses is simply moving slowly enough to see it. And when he does, he takes off his sandals, not because the ground has suddenly become holy, but because he's just now becoming aware that the ground has been holy the whole time. Efficiency is not God's highest goal for your life. Neither is busyness or how many things you can get done in one day or speed or even success. But walking, which leads to seeing. Now that's something. That's the invitation for every one of us today and every day in every conversation, interaction, event and moment to walk, not run and in doing so to see a whole world right here within this one. Amen.